You are hanging out with Scooter and this is Let's Chat with Scooter. These are conversations with people that I've come across on my path through this wonderful journey we call life. They're stories I hope will impact you on a personal level, lift you up, educate you, make you smile, or inspire you to reach for your goals and dreams so that you may be the best version of you that you were meant to be. Let's spread the positivity. And now, today's chat. Welcome to Let's Chat with Scooter, and today our special guest is Nicole. We appreciate you taking the time out of the day to chat with us and our listeners. So if you would be so kind as to introduce, introduce yourself to everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm Nicole Parrish. Uh, I'm 24. I grew up and live in Utah, and yeah, it's pretty great. So I noticed you on your TikToks because they're amazing. They're extremely uh-huh. educational. I oh, love how you. you, I love the format, you know, and I love everything about them. So what got you started doing TikToks? Uh, the funny thing is I've actually only had this account for a month now. Um, I just wanted an account where I could just be myself and talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. So my interest or autism and yeah, so it's been a blast. I think the one that I, I, I watched most recently was how you decided to handle the negative comment. So tell us about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after I posted my first video asking a question, it ended up going a lot bigger than I thought it would. So then I'm like, okay, this is the internet. So that means there are going to be negative comments. So I wanted to really make sure like, that I'll maintain good mental health, so I decided to just set up that goal that when I reach a certain number of people that I've had to block because of like bullying or negative comments, then I get to buy myself a beetle and have a fun insect, and so <laughs> it'll be pretty awesome. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, that's probably the most creative way of handling negative comments. Mm-hmm. Most most social media, they engage into a battle, which never turns out well for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you, was... You kind of learn that pretty quickly, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about... So, you know, obviously not... You know, I don't want to be insensitive, but you use the word disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about those. Um. So I have... I'm autistic. And then I also have dyslexia and dyscalculia and then endometriosis. Uh, but yeah, so they definitely are disabilities as well as like blessings with how I see things. But yeah. I actually had to look up dyscalculia, um, it being a, uh-huh. a math learning disorder. Um, yeah. So that was interesting for me. Um, I think combined with dyslexia, that'd be quite a challenge. Uh, yeah, it definitely is a challenge. Um, but I've kind of had to just, 
I've, so I've taken different programs to help with like the dyslexia and then just kind of let go with the math. I'm like, I'll just use calculators or ask people for help. Yeah, I, I can I can relate. I was in, in an accident and the brain uh-huh. injury caused memory issues. And, you know, I if it wasn't for spell check, I don't think I'd ever have anything anybody could read. Yep. Yeah. Before I had like a phone or spell check, I have such a hard time reading any of my writings before that. <laughs> But, yeah, so it's been a blessing. I had to, uh, I used to have to write notes for my boss, and I always typed them out because I had the spell check. And uh-huh. I felt bad about that until I read an article that a famous Washington Post um, writer, he, he basically said if it wasn't for spell check, he couldn't publish anything. And he works for the Washington uh-huh. Post. So I felt a lot better about that after that. Yeah, yeah. So, when were you first diagnosed? Um, so I got diagnosed with the dyslexia and dyscalculia when I was three. Um, so that's where, like, so I had a lot of learning delays and with my, my speech. And I was definitely influenced uh, by being autistic, but the they just assumed it was with the dyslexia and kind of went from there and then later uh when I was 23 I got diagnosed um with autism and then being autistic but it's it's interesting because my dad's also autistic and so they thought a lot of the behaviors were normal or you know just due to being dyslexic and having other disabilities but yeah how did so I guess him being, you know, autistic, it was easier for your family to <laughs> cope with the disability aspect. Um, yeah, there were certainly still some challenges and confusion, but it did also just allow a lot of things to just be normalized in the home because of that, which was a huge blessing. And how was growing up and school affected by the disabilities? Um, school was heavily affected by it. I had a lot of challenges in school. Um, I ended up uh, getting a lot of help in special programs. Uh, but, yeah, school was not fun for me. It was definitely a challenge and a struggle. But I got through it. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing now. But, yeah, it definitely affected school. It definitely seems like, even though it might have been difficult, and obviously school's painful for everybody, um, probably even more so for mm-hmm. someone with a disability. But based on your current success and how well you're doing, I think it definitely made you into a wonderful person and who you are today. So I think Mm -hmm. all that pain and suffering and struggle, you know, like you had once said, you would not change. If someone gave you a cure, you would not take that cure because it would change you and how you look at the world. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. I think having a different, everybody being different creates a wonderful world. And I think... uh, your contributions yeah. are 
wonderful. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So, tell us about some of the things that you have to do when you're overstimulated, um, such as the stemming and things like that. Um, yeah, definitely. So, a lot of times when I notice I'm overstimulated, so I carry around with me actually a backpack everywhere where it has noise-canceling headphones or fidgets in it, and my friends know where everything is in it. Uh, so sometimes when they notice before me that I'm getting overstimulated, they'll just like go hand me my headphones or hand me stuff, and that's been really helpful. But if I notice, I can grab my headphones, and then if that doesn't help, then usually I'll go to a separate room, uh, turn out, turn off the lights. Um, if I have my weighted blanket, that's really helpful. Um, just trying to lower the stimulation as much as possible and just give myself time, and that's been super helpful. So I, I saw your TikTok where when you were younger you used to um, get in a drawer for the compression. Does, uh -huh. does that really is is that super helpful for your condition or? Uh, yes. I. It's hard to describe the feeling because it's it's like the most calming feeling. Like it's hard to describe because the world can just all of a sudden feel like so noisy and it's almost like uh, old TV static uh, and just everything gets just really bright and heightened and then just having that pressure it just it's almost like it makes just everything quiet and it's amazing and so helpful with the analogy kind of like being back in the womb be a good a uh, good way of uh, explaining that uh, definitely uh-huh okay yeah I loved your video about the blanket collection. Uh-huh. Um, I was tempted yeah, to pull out. A, got another one. Yeah, I was tempted to pull out every blanket I have, including, and I have a weighted blanket, and those are amazing. If no one's ever tried one. Oh. It's like a big hug, you know? Highly recommend them. Yeah. And, the, and they're amazing. They're expensive, but they're worth every penny, so. Yeah. So, yeah. what type of music do you use when you um, listen to music to try to calm down? Or um, A lot of times I do instrumental um, calming music. Uh, right now my go-to is actually the soundtrack to the movie Sound of the, Song of the Sea. It's an amazing movie and the soundtrack is just incredibly calming and it's instrumental and... So I just turn that on, and that really helps to just calm everything down. But, yeah. When did you move out? Um, so I moved out when I was, uh, I had just turned like, 20. I had just turned 20. How was that? But, yeah. When I, uh... So the first apartment I moved in to, it was not great. It was a really run-down apartment also, which did not help <laughs> with uh, stimulation. And I had to share a room with a, room, uh, with a roommate. So that also made it more difficult because I couldn't have just a quiet place where I could help myself be uh, 
calm down from overstimulation or from a meltdown. Uh, so that was really difficult. So I was sleeping all the time over at my friend's house. And they were just like, why don't you just live up the street at our parents' in our parents' basement? You're basically living with us anyway. So <laughs> I moved there, and it's been amazing. Right. But it's so much easier. That's good to hear. Um, dating. Um, I know you brought that up on one of your TikToks. Uh-huh. That has to be interesting. So tell us as much or as little as you yeah. want to tell us. Uh, dating is, it's definitely interesting. I do not enjoy it. I'm like, if I could just skip dating, that would be great. But, yeah, it's definitely interesting, mainly because uh, the communication issues uh, a lot of times with my dates it can be really challenging and leave like both of us really confused uh so usually at the end of the first date i try to let them know hey i'm autistic and then either they take it really well or not great at all but yeah so the main issue with dating for me is the communication and then sensory overload with either locations we go to or uh just like sound of the environment and trying to remember what I'm supposed to do or say on a date, but yeah. I don't think dating is easy for anybody, so don't feel bad on that. No. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on one of your videos, you had talked about how you don't understand when someone asks question A to get to answer B and oh my gosh yeah you know my ex and i fought a lot about this because it's like she wants ice cream like you're saying but she'll ask me mm -hmm. what am i in the mood to do do i want to go out to eat when all she wants to know is do we want to go get ice cream and why can't we just skip all the bs and go to do you want to get ice cream yes so I've started with my friends, actually, when they ask a question like that, I'm like, okay, I don't know if this is trying to get to another question, so I just like, what's your objective? Just get to your objective, and that's actually been really helpful, but I can't really do that with just a stranger I just met, so still some just guessing and a lot of confusion there, but yeah, I like it when people just get straight to the point. <laughs> And I do the same thing, and you're not the only one that's stuck doing yes. that. I think it's funny. I thought it was funny when uh -huh. you brought it up, because uh -huh. some people just don't have the patience for games. Uh huh. What's the? What do you think is one of the most misunderstood things about you? Um, I think a lot of times that that I've struggled with people that uh is that it's, it's not necessarily just the way my brain works, that a lot of people view like autism as a disease or something you can cure, and that's been really frustrating. Um, and then a lack of education of what autism can look like, because a lot of times in media there's just that one stereotype that's played, which is kind of disappointing, because like, I love, actually enjoy a lot of those characters, but I'm like, the same time they're feeding into this just the same repeated stereotype 
that they actually wouldn't be as problematic if they had demonstrated more areas of the spectrum. But, so people not thinking I'm autistic or have any disabilities because I don't look like the stereotypical or behave in a stereotypical way. But yeah, so those are the two main things. I loved your TikTok where you explained the spectrum and you went from the, the one where it was just a scale at the top to the circle. And every yeah, and that was very informative, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a sensory swing. How does that How does that help you? Um, so that uh, applies deep pressure. So much like when I was a child and would kind of squeeze myself in drawers for that deep pressure. Uh, so the sensory swing does the same thing uh, using gravity. Uh, to help create some pressure and then um, also the pressure of having it not just like a hammock but more uh, I describe it like a cocoon uh, but you get in and it kind of squeezes you and then gravity creates more pressure and so it's incredibly calming and helpful and climbing in there it kind of dims the lights too but yeah I love them so much one of your videos described how when you become overstimulated, you become, you can become nonverbal. Yes. Yes. So the, that, yeah, I was just going to ask, go ahead and describe what that's like or how long that lasts. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, when you become really overstimulated, it's, just becomes incredibly hard to get any words out so like how I described it was it's almost like my brain isn't able to translate the words I'm trying to say into like how to move the mouth and how to get the, bre the breath out all at the same time so sometimes I'm able to make some sounds but I have a hard time forming the words um, and making them come out. It almost feels like there's a physical wall just there that no matter how hard I try, it's just incredibly difficult um, to get anything out. So I've learned uh, it kind of goes away faster if I don't try talk or force it. Um, so the longest it's lasted is about three days. Um, but that was for like really bad burnout and overstimulation. Usually it only lasts like a day or a few hours, but yeah. So if you're nonverbal, are you still able to communicate through writing? Uh-huh. So I just through like writing on my phone and showing the text or sometimes with kids, when I'm interacting with kids, I'll use a uh, text to speech. So I can still interact with them um, but yeah so there's I use just other ways to communicate um, I want to talk about the Saturn V rocket how awesome is that oh my gosh yes that was that made my day I I've been wanting that Lego set for so long and then it was so fun to do did you take it apart and start over again yet uh, I haven't yet. I'm planning on it, uh, doing it actually with my nephew, because he was going nuts. 
um, over it. So we're going to take it apart and build it again together. So I'm pretty excited. I think it's uh, that's an amazing Lego set. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about what I I used to draw. I have friends who are artists. Uh -huh. You are an absolutely phenomenal artist, so let's talk about that. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so where do you want me to start exactly? So I guess let's start in the beginning. When did you realize that you were able to, was it drawing or painting that you started with? Um, I started with drawing, so I was... So my special interest has always been art and insects since I was really, really little. Uh, so when I was really little, I actually remember just taking stacks of printing paper and going disappearing in my room and coming back and being like, Mom, look what I did. And she's like, how did you just fill the whole stack? But yeah, so I just loved just drawing all the time. Uh, so I kind of always knew that I wanted to do something with art. Um, but it's kind of just developed more and more since then. And you've, on your TikTok, you talked about your internships um, in high school and out of high school. Yeah. Um, what did you do during mm -hmm. those internships? Um, so those were really fun. I found some artists that I really liked and just asked if I could apprentice with them or study with them. Um, one, I'm like, hey, I'll clean your brushes if I can just come study with you. And he's like, uh, yeah, I hate cleaning brushes. So <laughs> it was pretty great. But I would, I did a lot of help around the studio. So I learned how to like package paintings and take care of a studio along with them giving one-on-one -on -one mentorship, which was amazing uh, and really helped me push my technical skill. I like the video um, or the TikTok where someone asked you to actually show that you're not using real insects on your art because it's so good. Uh-huh. That was... Yeah, I, I get that quite a bit. My initial reaction when I first saw the art was, was the art that you're doing the background and you were using the insects as a focal point just to show the rest. And then I realized that, no, uh -huh. you're actually painting the insects. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a lot of times the first assumption of what I'm doing. So what? at what age did you become interested in insects and why insects? Um... Um, I don't know why exactly in insects. I've always been interested in them. Uh, I remember in, like, kindergarten... And we'd have like a recess all the kids would go play and I'm like I'm gonna go watch this black widow in a corner you guys can go do your thing but uh, so I was always interested in them um, my parents were incredibly patient let me and my brother as long as they stayed in our room just raise a whole bunch of insects um, which was a blast and that kind of only strengthened the interest uh, but yeah and your favorite seems to be the the leaf insects i love the leaf insects actually uh partly because of autism because they're mimics pretending to be something else uh so with masking and pretending to 
be neurotypical or normal to try to fit into society. Uh, I really relate to that, so I really like belief in sex. I like that. That's good. Um, do you do you currently have a collection of live insects? We know you have a collection of you know exhibit insects. <laughs> uh huh. Yes. So I do try to limit it so that m my room doesn't smell so bad <laughs> with the insects. Uh, so right now I'm actually raising uh, giant silk moths, uh, specifically polyphemus moths. So they're all in their cocoons right now. They should actually be emerging within this next month, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to those emerging. So I did learn from your videos that beetles actually cocoon from yeah uh -huh. up to years, which is crazy for me to even think about. Yeah. Um, so that was very educational. Uh-huh. So your career is basically you're, you're self-supportive based on your artwork. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you sell yeah, your... Yeah, I... Go ahead. Sorry, keep going. I was going to ask you, um, does your artwork get shown in studios? Do you sell it in stores? How does that work? Um, yeah, so I am in three galleries currently. Myers Gallery in Park City, uh, Anthony's Antiques in Salt Lake, and then Larkin Key in North Carolina. And then I also sell just off my Instagram and my website. But yeah, it's pretty great. How does your family view on your success and, and how well you're doing on your own? Um, they're really happy. Uh, I think also just relieved and just happy that I found something that worked out and that I was able to turn my special interest into a marketable skill. Um, that's been a huge blessing because it's been difficult to get a job. I've tried in the past, I had one, but then they found out uh, about the disabilities. So I ended up being fired for that, which is illegal. But. I'm gonna just let it pass because I like what I'm doing now. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's been a huge blessing. What were some of the jobs that you tried out for? Um, so I tried some. I did yard work for a while. Uh, I did some speaker profiles where I would help make profiles for public speakers, um, and I think the main challenge was with that job was the communication differences between my coworkers and my boss, um, and then not understanding about the disabilities, or just thinking I just had to try a little harder, so not understanding that definitely influenced it, made it difficult. Social cues, what do you find most difficult? Is it sarcasm? Uh, sarcasm? Um, we, I have a joke among my friends uh, that they're like, if you're ever confused, it's probably a joke. Or sarcasm. <laughs> so, which has actually been a very reliable rule. It's been right in most cases. 
but yeah, definitely sarcasm, uh, not being able to tell if it's a joke or being serious, um, exaggeration, uh, that gets me a lot of times, and then definitely nonverbal communication. Your video about why people say, wow, that took a thousand years rather than just saying it was a really long time. Uh-huh. I like that a lot. Uh, it drives me crazy. Um, yeah, what are some of your triggers? What are some of the things that upset you, make you angry? Um, I think a lot of times when people uh, have a routine a certain way, uh, and then they'll just change it very last minute, being like, hey, I know we do this every single time, but we're actually going to do this completely different thing. And, which I'm fine with if I have, like, preparation beforehand and time to, like, adjust to that. Uh, that'll be fine even if it's uncomfortable. But doing it last second, that drives me crazy. Like, last minute schedule changes to plans. Yeah. I knew that when we set the time and date for the podcast that I was going to make sure that I was early, if nothing else. Uh-huh. Because which I appreciate very much. Because I I know a little bit about autism and I know that schedules are mm -hmm. very important. Um I worked with a young yes. man who he rode the bus to work and we were in a meeting with the the president of the company and the time was running over when he needed to leave to get to the bus. And having this individual literally stand up while the president's speaking, gather his stuff, and just walk out. And everybody's like, he's got to make uh -huh. his bus. <laughs> we all knew it was his routine. Uh-huh. You know, it's and we don't think it's funny, but we, we talk about it in a, a comical way because, um, you know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. There's, no. there's too much, uh, you know, shame with people having, whether it be depression or other, other issues. And we just need to be more accepting of, of those individuals. And it sounds like with your TikToks, you're going to create a lot of education for autism and disabilities. I've learned yeah, a lot. That's what I, mm -hmm. um, I learned that, that I don't know. I will not try to say the name of the beetle, but the white beetle that you had on TikTok. The, the beetle, I always have to like look up the pronunciation every time. Because also with the dyslexia, that name is so weird and complicated. So a lot of times people just call it the white scarab. And which is a lot easier to say. It was crazy that it's the whitest thing in nature so far yet underneath it's black yeah it's it was fascinating because they were trying to make a pigment out of it and then they're like uh this is turning black that shouldn't be happening but yeah it's such a cool deal i think it was, that was really neat in this i have some questions that i normally ask people on the podcast they're kind of those yeah. would you rather questions and I, I mm -hmm. think it'll be very unique with your very literal interpretation of everything. Would you rather have a personal maid or a personal chef? Um, 
definitely a personal chef, mainly because I'm pretty organized, and I don't like people touching my stuff, because then I don't know where it is, <laughs> where a chef, I think that would be more relieving for my friends, because they keep having to, like, put food in front of me, because then I just forget, and they're like, uh, you need to eat, and I'm like, oh yeah, so having a personal chef would probably be the better option for me. That reminds me of your video about how your uh, how you eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. I didn't actually notice that I eat in a certain way until my friend pointed it out, and they're like, "Wait, what? How about you take a bite of this food and then this food? Because you'll get like a combination of flavors." I'm like, "You, you can't do that." <laughs> so. But, yeah, I really enjoy just eating the different foods uh, at once. But, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. One thing at a time, and when I'm done with that, I uh -huh. go move on to the next. I've had friends who had issues with food touching, and they had those compartmentalized uh, little trays so their mashed potatoes wouldn't uh -huh. touch their fruit. I always thought that was funny. Um, uh-huh. Would you rather be 11 feet tall or 9 inches tall? Ooh. Um. That's a difficult one. Probably 11 feet because it would have the least change or impact on my life. Uh, but, yeah, so 11 feet. So far, everyone's chosen that. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie uh, where the gentleman trans, you know, transport yourself into a small uh, person and you live in this small world or whatever. Oh, yeah. I saw the trailer for that, so I, I know what you're talking about. It looked, it looked kind of crazy, you know, where they have a normal bottle of water and it would last them forever because they were so tiny. Uh-huh. If you had a superpower now, other than art, what, what superpower would you want? Um, oh, that's difficult. I think I would either like to fly or breathe under, underwater. I can't decide between those two. Why under, but, why would you want to breathe underwater? What would, what would be cool about that? Um, I really like exploring and stuff, and, uh, I really like underwater, mainly because it's just so quiet, and not a lot of noise, and so sensory-wise, it's really enjoyable, and I love looking for, like, shells or fossils and different rocks, and so being able to do that would be super fun. Have you ever had the chance to scuba dive or anything like that? I haven't. It is on my list, though. I really would like to do that someday. I hope you get the chance. Um, I did this. I did a scuba diving experience w with like fish and, and nurse sharks and things like that. Extremely unique experience. Um, definitely something you have to try. One is skydiving. Um, you. I, I actually would enjoy skydiving. Surprisingly, it's. You know, for me, it was 
I was having sensory overload. I literally forgot to breathe as I'm exiting the plane. And I had to remind myself I needed to breathe because oxygen was important. The, the noise, I, I kind of, the analogy I use is like hanging your head out the window while you're driving 100 miles an hour. Uh-huh. You would probably have headphones or something, earplugs on or something for you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but once they pull the cord and you're under the chute, it is dead silence. It is the most amazing experience. And I think, you know, for you, the silence and being able to look at everything would be, would be, it would be amazing. Oh, yeah, I would, I would love that so much. Would you rather run 100 miles per hour or fly 20 miles per hour? Uh, fly 20 miles per hour, mainly because... There wouldn't be as many people around me, so I'd be able to uh, be more by myself, I guess. But, yeah. And you could explore more and do, go places where you need to go. Quiet mountaintop yeah. in Nepal or, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be cool. If you had the opportunity to have dinner with anyone in the world, whether it be past or present, dead or alive, who would you want to have dinner with? Um. Oh. That's, that's a difficult question. Because there's, there's some artists I would like to meet in the past. Like, it would be great to talk to, like, Sergeant or some of the great masters. But... I don't know if I would enjoy it as much, so I'd almost just want dinner with just my really close friends. That's the only person, like, living that I could really think of, but I kind of do that anyway, so, hey, I can make it happen. Yeah. What are some things that you think are in, our listeners would be interested in hearing from you that we haven't covered? Um, that's good question. A lot of people ask about uh, what other things I'm interested in other than just art and insects, um, which I usually, I'm also really into space, so I do uh, astrophotography, which is really fun. Um, also enjoy like just collecting rocks, um, building things, but yeah. That's really all I can think of right now. Do you watch any TV shows or? Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, mainly if my friends are watching, uh, then I join them or we'll watch a show together. We did just finish WandaVision, which was amazing. I love Marvel. So that was really fun. Um, I enjoy watching Doctor Who or Star Trek, the, like, next generation Star Trek. I really enjoy. But, yeah. What did you think when they turned Doctor Who into the female? Um, I didn't mind too much. I just kind of, this is going to sound a little funny, but honestly I thought of it like kind of like a frog. 
because they can do that depending on situations, change their gender to be able to uh, mate or produce. I'm just like, oh, it's just like a frog, cool. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I didn't really mind too much. I had a, there was a lot of people that, you know, well, some people commented on it because Doctor Who has been a male for so many years, but I love that show. Mm -hmm. I, I thought she did a good job, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I appreciate Yeah, it. you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. I, I really wanted to talk to you because I love your TikToks. Um, I'm going to put your, your links into the description of the podcast. Well, I do appreciate your, your time and you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks.